If you would, grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. The book of Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 4. I'm going to read through verse... Uh, let's read through verse 16. As y'all know, um, I thank Nick for uh, covering for me last week. We were out of town, and um, the week before that, we were um, studying relationships, the importance of relationships, the value of relationships in the Christian family. So I'm going to carry that on today. I'm going to pick back up with that, and I want to go just a little bit deeper into it and just see um, just exactly what we should be pursuing in these relationships and just exactly um, how we should be pursuing these relationships. So if you would, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. If everybody's there, say amen. If you ain't there, say hold on. Here we go. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. I want you to notice the key thing in that verse. Basically, there is how many? But how many? One. And that one is in how many? So basically, here we have no difference in anybody, right? Basically, all of God's children, you are one body, one blood, you are one faith, one calling. Everything is one. But when we get to verse 7, you'll notice that here we get into the difference. So up to this point, we're same. Here we get to the difference. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says... When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. Now, does everybody have the same gift? So here's where we get into the difference, right? We're one in everything, but the difference is in the gifts. And then verse 9. Now this, that he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth or here with us and walked among us, the word became flesh. And then verse 10, He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might feel all things. And then verse 11, And he himself gave some. Now what did it say he gave to men? Gifts. So here you could actually put the word, He gave some Gifts to be apostles, some gifts to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And what's the first word of verse 12? For, that's a very important word, keep that in mind. For, here's why he gave the gifts of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ until... We all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God until we all come to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ." from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, or we could replace that with by what every gift supplies, 
according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You be seated. Now I know all that was a mouthful, but I'm going to tell you something. You've got a blueprint, print, blueprint. You got a brew. We fixing to brew something. I don't know what it is. We got a blueprint right here that the Lord has given us for the body of Christ to become what is that verse um, 11 or no the verse 13 say again? The blueprint says in verse 13 that if we follow it, we will all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a what? Perfect man. And look at this next part. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of who? So in other words, what is the will of God for our lives? That we become and be conformed to the image of Christ. The Bible says in Romans 8, chapter, oh, 8, chapter 8, verse 29, I believe that whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Anybody in here believe in destiny? I do. Because God predestined you already that you be conformed to the image of his son. That's his job in your life. His will for you is that you become just like him. But I, I want to go back with you just a little bit and remind you of what we talked about three to four weeks ago when we were talking about the importance of relationships and the goal that we should be marking ourselves to in pursuing these relationships. If you remember, the first message I come from in this was from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where the Bible talked about that God composed the body to be of different gifts and different parts. One spirit, one body, but differences in the, in the spirits and the gifts that is given. So whenever he said he composed it this way, he said he had a purpose in it. So that every member should have the same care one for the other. He composed it in a way that the parts that you would look at that you would think are unpresentable parts that you really don't even see no need for them. Guess what? They're the ones that are actually more needed. He composed it so that the ones that you see that are presentable that stand up in front of you and teach and structure that you would think the church can't go on without it. Guess what? It can. It can. It's needed. It's as much needed as the rest of it, but he composed it in a way that we would understand that I need to have more honor for the parts that are not as presentable and that you don't have to bestow as much honor on me because guess what? It's already there. It's already there because I'm a presentable part. But he said without this guideline, without this body being composed the way that it is, the church cannot grow. It's not possible. Unless, if, if all were an eye, where would, the hearing, where would the hearing be? You remember that, 1 Corinthians chapter 12? If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, does that make him not part of the body? No. He said he made the body different for a purpose and a reason, and that was so that we could help each other, minister to each other. The eyes, you know what? The body can make it, and it can learn to, to go on without the eyes, but it's tough, ain't it? Oh, it's tough. We need each other to get by. If this body is going to operate the way that God designed it to do, then we have to understand that our relationships between one another are so important that we don't let anything get between us. All the petty stuff that we let get down in between us, guess what? we got to grow up. Let me just speak that to me and everyone in this building this morning. It's time for us to grow up. 
quit being little children. Grow up and let's start ministering to one another and helping one another. If you'll also remember, I come from Hebrews chapter 12, verse, uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 through 14, where Jesus, uh, or whoever the writer, I say Jesus because it was inspired by him, but whoever the writer of Hebrews was wrote and told us, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And then he goes on, he tells us, But exhort one another daily while it is called today. He said that this is the remedy to make sure that we don't depart from living God. Do you know how many people I've seen walk through those doors right there and I've watched them turn around and walk right back out, right back into the world they come from? I've seen, I've, I've seen so many come that I've ministered with and served with great men of God, I would have thought. And then one day, where are they? They're back out in the world again. Guess what? It can happen to any single one of you. It can happen to me. I've been doing this for a long time, but guess what? I'm not exempt. If I don't have your exhortation, if I don't have your encouragement, guess what? It is very easy for me to just get down and just go on back out there to the world and start living according to my desires and the things I want. If I'm going to stay in this fight, and believe you me, it's a fight. If I'm going to stay in this fight, I've got to have you. We've got to have each other. And let me tell you something. Don't think you can every one of you stand up here and depend on me. <laughs> I, there's, there's no way that I can be that personal exhorter to each and every single one of you. You need each other. My job, I want you to, to think about, to think about the, the goal or the mark in our relationship. Uh, if you remember uh, two weeks ago, I started talking to you about how Jesus started out with at least 72 disciples. Many people think he started out with 12. He didn't. No. He had many more than 12. We know he had at least 72. But then if you go to the scriptures where he picks out his 12, you'll notice that he continued all night in prayer on a mountain, first off. And then when he came down from the mountain, he called his disciples together and he chose 12 out of them. And Mark chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, I believe, actually tells us that he chose them to be with him. These were the 12 out of all of his disciples that he was going to get personal with. It was going to be a deeper relationship. He understood that if we're going to make it through this thing, you're going to have to have somebody, if not a group, a small group of some kind that you can just get down and get personal with. That you can just tell all of your heart's burdens. That you can share everything that you're joyed about. That you can just get down there with and be personal with. So he had his 12. First he had his at least 72. Then he had his 12. And then if you'll look at Mark chapter 5, and Tim will have it. Mark chapter 5, verses 35 through 37. I want you to notice, not only did he have his 12, but look. While he was still speaking, came, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except who? Peter, James, and John. Now, do you think he loved Peter, James, and John more than he did the twelve? Do you think he loved the twelve more than he did the seventy-two? No. But he had a closer deeper faith-building relationship with these guys. And the more personal it got, the smaller the group got. And how many of you know that you can testify to that in your own life? 
Somebody will look at you and say, well, you're being cliquish. No, cliquish defined is actually this. It means the only people you associate with are the, is your exclusive group. You don't let anybody in your group and you don't let anybody out of your group. That's a clique. What I'm talking about here is not cliquish. God forbid that any single one of us become cliquish. The thing that I'm talking about here is getting personal with certain people that you can trust and at the same time, always having your arms open to say, you're welcome to come in too. It don't mean that we're necessarily going to be best buddies. It don't mean that we're going to just get down there on a personal level because guess what? There's some of you that I won't get personal with. I got nothing against you. I got nothing against you. I just don't know really where you are in your walk with God yet. There are some things that I'm not just going to sit down with you and tell you. You can get offended at that if you want to, but guess what? There's some of you that ain't just going to sit down with me and tell me anything either. If I'm lying this morning, y'all shut me down. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you Jesus was no different. He needed these relationships and he knew that his disciples needed these relationships. And then not only did he have his 72, his 12, and his 3, but as I taught you two weeks ago, he actually had one that he would tell things to, to him before he would anybody else. They had gotten in such a close relationship. But let me ask you this. Do you think that Jesus just stood over his 72 and said, John is going to be the one that I'm going to be in close relationship. They spent time together, and as they spent time together, they pursued one another, and this relationship just grew to where it was. And because of it, John got labeled the disciple whom Jesus loved. Read the book of John, and you'll see everywhere the disciples refer to him, they'll say, well, you, you know who we're talking about. We're talking about that disciple whom Jesus loved. Do you think Jesus loved John more than he did the rest of them? No, he didn't. But he had a closer relationship. He had a deeper faith-building relationship. I can prove it to you, and I've proved it to you before, but you remember when they were sitting at the, la at the last supper table? John chapter 13, Tim, give me that one, verse 21 through 28, and then I'm going to move on and get in my message. I hope that y'all get this in your mind and it just sticks because this is important for the growth of the body. When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. He's talking to his 12, right? One of you will betray me. Oh, man, how, what do you think is going through their hearts right now? Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Now who's writing the book of John? John's leaning back on the breast of Jesus Christ at the supper table. Go on, next verse. Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask who it was of whom he spoke. Now why didn't he ask Jesus? Because Jesus ain't just going to come out and tell just anybody this, is he? But he looks at John and he says, hey, Ask him who it is. And then the next thing, then leaning back on Jesus' breast, and this is John, he said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Go on, next verse. 
Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to him. Now hang on. Jesus answered somebody, didn't he? Who was it? So why is it that the writer here says no one at the table knew for what reason Jesus said this to him? Because he's the one writing it. He can write and say no one at the table knew but him. He is the only one who knew who it was that was going to betray Jesus. And it was because of this relationship. If you remember in John chapter 19, when Jesus was on the cross, he looked down and who did he see standing there? John and who? His mama. John, all the other disciples, where are they? They scattered. They're gone. But John stands there with his mother. Think about this. And Jesus looks down and says, John, take care of my mama. I'm telling you, there was something closer about this relationship than there was any other relationship. It strengthened Jesus. It built his faith. He trusted John. And you need to be pursuing those relationships. The purpose of all these relationships is so that we can grow. So not only ourselves, but that we can grow others. How many of you know that even though Jesus was God, he still needed people to strengthen him. He needed encouragement. Whenever he went to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, who did he take with him? Peter, James, and John. He had certain people that he knew, I can depend on these guys. And he found that out by being in relationship with them. It wasn't that they met once on Sunday morning and then from 52 times per year out of 365 days, Jesus just knew these are the three I could trust. No, this was daily relationships. And he began to learn out of all these Here's who I could trust until he, all, he got it narrowed down to John is who I can depend on. Not that I can't depend on the rest. I can just depend on him a little more. I want you to think about this blueprint right here. I'm going to tell you just a little joke if I can remember it. <coughs> God gives us instructions to follow, right? If we try to do only half of these instructions for the body to grow, what will be the result? Half grown. And how many of you would agree with me today that if you look around at the majority of churches that you see, even this one, that we're doing good to be about half grown, right? For the most part, we've, stu we've studied and we've understood and we've followed half of the directions. I want you to think about this story. There was a man who got lost in the desert. And he was uh, struggling to survive. And for two weeks, he didn't think he was going to make it until one day he saw an image of a house out in this desert. And he makes it to the front steps, and he passes out. Whenever he comes to, he notices there is a, a man that has nursed him back to health, has got fluids in him, and he lets him know that he is a missionary. And he's been there trying to share the gospel with peoples of the uh, uh, foreign parts of the world. And so the man tells him, he says, I need to get into town to let my family know that I'm okay. Do you have any way I can get to town? He says, well, all I have is this horse, but you can take it. And he said, he said I, I would love that. I can be able to let my family know I'm okay. So he gets on the horse, but before he gets on, the man says, Now listen, there are some instructions that you have to follow. If you don't follow these instructions, bad things could happen. He says, This horse is a Christian horse. This horse only answers to two commands. If you tell him, Thank God, he will go. 
And the more you tell him, thank God, the faster he will go. If you want him to slow down and stop, you have to say, Amen. So the man says, Okay, I've got you. And he gets up there and he gets on the horse and before he takes off, he says, Come on. The horse just sits there. Missionary says, Man, you weren't listening to me. If you don't say the commands, he understands he's not going to know what you want him to do. It's not going to work. He says, If you want him to go, you have to tell him, Thank God. If you want him to stop, you have to say, Amen. So the man says, okay, I've got it. So he gets up there again and he kicks him one time. He says, thank God. And the horse begins to take off walking. They're going down the road. And he starts thinking, you know, I need to go a little faster than this. So he says, thank God, thank God. And the horse speeds up and begins to get into a gallop. And then he says, thank God, thank God, thank God. And the horse just gets into a full run. And then he notices he's heading for a cliff. And he begins to get feet away from the cliff and he goes, whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop. And the horse just keeps barreling away. And right before he gets to the edge of the cliff, he remembers, he says, amen. And the horse locks down and stops just before they go off the cliff. And as he gets there, he wipes his head and he goes, whew, thank God. (laughs) He didn't think about the instructions. There are instructions that we have to follow and we don't follow these instructions. It is not going to end well for us. You can know what happened. I don't have to tell you the rest of the story to know what happened to the man and the horse. The, the, the horse is in heaven. I don't know where the man went. Look with me if you would again at Ephesians chapter 4. I want to go through this one more time with you. Ephesians chapter 4 beginning in verse 4. I want to take it through it just a little bit at a time. This is God's blueprint for the church to become perfect and complete in Christ Jesus. If we're going to make it, if we're going to be full grown, we have to learn the instructions. Y'all, are y'all hearing this this morning? We have to learn these instructions if we are going to grow and become Christ-like. Verse 4. First off, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. As I said before, the common theme there is that we are one. One in God, who is above all, in all, through all, in you all. One. But then he gets down, there is a difference in verse 7. But to each one of us, Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's what? Gift. He gave you gifts. This is the reason why in verse 8 it says, Therefore he says, when he ascended on high, first thing he done, he led captivity captive. In other words, he took the ones that were the captive. He took Satan and all the powers of darkness and he took them into captivity. And then he says, after that he gave gifts To men. To how many of you, according to verse 7 again? To each one of you. Everyone has a gift. And then he goes on in verse 9. He says, Now this he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might feel all things. And in verse 11, remember, he's talking about the gifts, the differences that are in you. He says, he himself 
gave some gifts to be apostles, to be prophets, to be evangelists, to be pastors, to be teachers. And then verse 12, he says, For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And let me break this thing down to the roadmap, to the instructions. First thing we have, we have gifts that were given to some, right? Each has received a gift, but are all apostles, are all evangelists, are all uh, pastors, are all teachers. No. He says, some he gave to be these things. And in verse 12, the first word is for. So the first thing I want to know is this. What does that word for represent to you? Why he did it. Here's why he gave some to be pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles, prophets for the equipping of the saints. Who are the saints? The Bible actually defines the saints as the people who are consecrated to God. Who does that include? All Christians. The saints. He says he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and the reason they are is for the equipping of the saints. Now, we are equipping saints, but what are we equipping them for? Keep reading with me. For the work of the ministry. And in order to understand what the ministry is, you've got to go to the next one. The reason we are equipped for the work of the ministry is for the edifying of the body of Christ. Go on to my next verse, verse 13. Until we all come to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Do you see the outline here? So here's what I see in that. First, you have pastors, teachers. You have people who stand in front of a group and they present the word of God the way that it goes. And primarily, is that not what we do when we come here on Sunday morning, Sunday night, when we go to our Sunday school class, you have a teacher that stands in front of you and he presents a lesson to you. He teaches and he teaches. But we're only got one part. We stop there. We stop on that part. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday school, everything that we do, it stops with teacher and pastor or, or prophet or apostle or whatever it may be that stands and he teaches from him in front of a group structure. So here we have corporate church life, What the way we know it, the way the majority of the church does church, this is it right here. There is really no one-on-one interaction. Go to the, the next part that he says after the pastors and teachers. He says the reason he does that is for the equipping of the saints. So the, I don't want you to think that I'm downplaying the way we have church. We, we do it good. We do it right. But at the same time, it equips you for the work of the ministry. Your job is to have daily relationships with others and you take what you learn and as you learn it then you minister remember each one has received a gift right Peter tells us as each one has received a gift let him minister it one to another so we have here the group structure and then we step this thing down so what you first see is like the 72 that Jesus had but then you get to a point to where I've got to get more personal See, I can't get personal with 72 like I can with one. 
I can't get personal with 72 like I can with 12. I can't get personal with 12 like I can with 3. And I, again, I can't get personal with 3 like I can with 1. So we're supposed to be pursuing this thing. And then he goes on, he says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. My job primarily as pastor standing before you is to teach you. That's my job. Truth of the matter is, as pastor, my job is not to visit the sick. As pastor, now as Christian, my job is visit the sick. As Christian, just like you are, because listen, when I walk away from this thing and go out into the world, I'm not pastor anymore. I'm Christian. I'm brother. I'm just like you. Then my job becomes to sit down and be able to talk with Ricky when Ricky's having a problem. My job as pastor is not to be counselor. It's not. My job as pastor is not to be the go-to man. My job as pastor and teacher is to be the one that equips the saints for the work of the ministry. My job is to teach you long-suffering. My job is to teach you gentleness, kindness, self-control. Teach you the ways of Christ so that you in turn can go and build relationships and do the work of the ministry. Are y'all getting this this morning? But the problem is this. Think about it. In the amount of time that we spend in church, can we provide adequate time for you to have personal one-on-one ministry in the worship services that we have? So if that's the case, then what's going to have to happen? There's going to be times that some of you businessmen are just going to have to call other businessmen up and say, hey, can you get a lunch today? Let's go take an hour, go to lunch, and let's just sit down and let's just talk a while. There's going to be times where some of you housewives are just going to have to call up other housewives and say, hey, can we go spend some time together, just about an hour a week or so, you know, just to, just to sit down and just talk? Now, let me tell you something, because I'm going to repeat what I preached Sunday night, two Sunday nights ago. <laughs> some of you in here are saying, well, I don't have those relationships, and I have such a hard time building those relationships. I want to say this because a lot of you were in Awanas of the night. I want to explain to you why you may be one of those people that don't have these relationships and have a hard time building these relationships. Number one, I say quit being so protective. Quit being so protective of if I get personal with this person, my feelings are going to get hurt. They're going to, to harm me in some way. Guess what? You're right. How do you think Jesus felt whenever his three, Peter, James, and John, he come back to them and they were asleep, supposed to be praying for him? He said, what? Could you not watch with me for one hour? But did that end the relationship? No, go on and get ready. Put your walls down and realize that in human relationships, there's going to be hurts. There's going to be hurts. Guess what? That's where you learn to practice forgiveness. That's where you learn to practice kindness and gentleness. He says, the next thing, don't be so needy. I'm going to go through these quick. I've only got three. First thing, quit being so protective. Put your walls down and learn to extend grace. Second thing, don't be so needy. Listen, everybody got needs. Everybody got problems. Now, I'm not saying you can't share your problems with people. No, that's what the relationship's for. But if your relationship is built on you, 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 and all your problems, guess what? 
I really don't want to be in a relationship with you. When I see your phone number, you know what I want to do? Voicemail comes through. Delete. I don't even want to hear it. Text message comes through. I just want to ignore it. Don't be so needy. Yes, you got needs. Yes, you got problems. I understand that. You got hurts. You got all kind of things that you need somebody for. But listen, you got to go into this relationship understanding that I'm a servant. And at the same time, as I serve them and as I build this relationship, there will be opportunities for me to share my hurts, to share my needs, to share my burdens. But if you begin building this relationship on me, me, poor, poor, pitiful me, you don't think I got problems too? That sounds rude, don't it? But it's true. It's true. You can't build these relationships based on your problems and your needs. You have to build this relationship and understand that I'm a servant in this thing. How can I minister to you? And then at the same time, there will come opportunity for you to be ministered to as well. So don't be so needy. And if you go into this thing with only about you, it's, it's going to collapse. I'm just going to tell you. Your relationship will collapse. Many times, number three, you have to pursue this relationship. And here's what I said, and I, I hope I'm talking to some of y'all out here this morning. Don't, don't be that guy that walks in this church and sits down and goes, don't nobody want to talk to me. You walk in and you sit down on your pew and you expect everybody else to be the one that comes around and then when they don't talk to you, well, they're stuck up. Well, you know what? You're stuck up too. You walked right in the midst of 180 people and didn't say a word to nobody. Quit being so stuck up. Get up, introduce yourself. Sometimes you have to pursue this relationship. How many of you want to volunteer and say, I'm the one that when somebody walks in, I don't want to talk to them. I want to turn my back. Do we got any of those in here this morning? Let's just be real. But for some reason, when we walk into a building like this and somebody don't speak to us, that's what comes in our mind is they're stuck up. They don't want to talk to me. Well, don't be that guy. Be that guy that pursues these relationships. Be that guy that gets out there and he goes after these relationships. Not in a needy way, but in a way that I want to serve. How many of you know that it is great to have a friend that you can go to with anything, that you can just sit down and pray with, that you can just sit down and, and just conversate about anything with, that you can go to the creek and wade the creek and fish with. And I mean, they're, they're, it's great to have a friend that you can, just, you can just get down there with. Pursue that thing. If you walk in every building and say, well, they don't want to talk to me, guess what? You're still going to be six months down the road. I can't find nobody that wants to talk to me. That's just the way that it's going to be. You've got to pursue these relationships. Remember, the saints are taught by the pastor, by the teachers. The saints are taught and they are equipped by me and your Sunday school teachers for the work of the ministry. But it is your duty to go out and build relationships. That's the way Jesus made disciples. You will not make a disciple by just leading somebody to Christ. I can teach you the best ministering tools and the best way to lead somebody to Christ and you can lead 20 over the next week to Christ. But guess what? You won't make a single disciple till you spend time with them. 
you won't make a sing, single disciple till you build relationships with them. And then you will make disciples as you pray with them, as you, be, as you share your burdens with them. My goal this morning is that we would see the instructions of God and that we would choose to follow His design. If we don't, we're going to run off the cliff. I hope you all know that. Think about this. If God designed the body of Christ for every member to minister to one another in order for it to grow, but you have very little opportunity to minister in bearing burdens and prayers and other personal ways, can we ever reach our goal? No. You have to have opportunities to be able to do that. I'm going to read this because this is from one of my Christian mentors, John Piper. I love reading his books. But he made this statement concerning small group gatherings. Listen to what he said. He said, I wonder if the incredible need for professional psychologists is owing in a large measure to the way we experience church life. Let me repeat that one more time. Listen closely. I wonder if the incredible need for professional psychologists is owing in large measure to the way we experience church life. Think about this. How do psychologists help people? And many of them do. Now listen, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that they're, they're I believe wholly that, that, that there are specialists out there that can help people in certain things. So I'm not knocking this down. I'm just saying there's a lot of things that we can take care of right here. Listen closely. How do psychologists help people? It seems to boil down to three things. Number one, personal one-on-one -on -one conversation, right? When you go down to sit down with a psychiatrist, what's the first thing that he says? Don't act like you ain't ever been. Everybody in here has seen one. Come on. Come on. What's the first thing he says? What's going on? And then after you say something, what's the next thing he says? How does that make you feel? <laughs> I mean, it's just one-on-one -on -one conversation. That's it. And many people will get help with that. Just to be able to pour it out, just be able to talk to somebody. Now, the difference is he gets paid for it. You don't. But that's why they call it ministry. It's a ministry. The second way he helps people, personal group meetings with others facing similar struggles. If at first he can't help just by personal one-on-one -on -one conversation, we'll move on to the next thing. A group of people that have faced similar struggles. Same scenario, small group. Third way, medications. Usually some form of antidepressant. And listen, I believe even sometimes it calls for that. I believe, but I can prove to you biblically it does. I remember poor old Timothy, boy. He, he's so nervous. He was so nervous. And everywhere he went, he was scared to death. His stomach was all tore up. And you know what Paul finally wrote to him and said? Timothy, just... Just get you a little wine for your stomach's sake. Take you a little wine. Now listen, it ain't for you to get drunk on. I'm not giving you this medication for you to get high. I'm not giving you this stuff for you to, to uh, alter the way that you, you think. I'm giving you this stuff to settle your health, to make you be able to, to bear some of this stuff. I believe wholeheartedly that there comes a time and a purpose when used in the correct way for medication. Now, isn't it amazing that apart from the medication, the way most of the people get help in the psychological, however you say that world, is through the ministry of conversation. Conversation. We just sit down and we talk. And listen, if you can be begin to develop a relationship in the Christian field, now, listen, be careful how you choose these relationships. 
I'm telling you, put your walls up to some people. I'm telling you. But at the same time, be open to anybody. But there are times you've got to put your wall up. It's amazing to me that conversation is the way that Christians in distress get help just through the ministry of conversation. Finally, this is my closing. Is that clock right? Is it 12 o'clock? Okay. Finally, this is it. My goal this morning is to persuade you by the Word of God. And have I not done that? Have I said anything that was not in the Word of God this morning? My goal this morning is to persuade you by the Word of God that you need to be actively pursuing some type of relationship, maybe even a small group setting. You need to be that person who steps up and says, Hey, let's go to lunch. Hey, let's, 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 let's just uh, get together on Friday night. You need to be that married couple that gets with other married couples or, or young couples looking into marriage that, that you can relate with and you can just provide a place on Friday or Saturday night to get together and enjoy one another. Relationship will happen as we just go out and have a good time together. And guess what? That's needed it ain't just about coming in here, raising our hands and giving God praise, hearing the pastor and the teacher speak, and then we go our separate ways. That's only one part. We got to add the second part to this thing or we will never reach the, the goal that God has for us in this. I want you to be praying if God might would use you to be a leader in forming a small group of some kind. Now, I'm fixing to get with Nick and a few others to actually start structuring more around small group settings. I want you to begin to provide your own, though. I'm going to open up places to have small group here in the church, but I want you to begin to provide your own, to go after these relationships on your own, to, to, to minister to someone however you see that you can minister, and relationships will be built. Or maybe... You just um, are a group of high schoolers that want to provide a place of Christian atmosphere to hang out. You know, you can be a small group person of that kind as well. Anything to develop these relationships and help minister to one another and help them grow. I'm going to ask for some of your help in creating some small groups in the future. And we will need some of you with the gift of hospitality to open your homes to others. Now, there, so I'm, I'll just be honest with you. Um, I, I'm not the gift of hospitality. <laughs> Just being straight with you, all right? Uh, I'm not the gift of hospitality. Um, I, I don't mind coming to your house. But my house, I stay so busy, it ain't always clean. So, you know, I just say to you, if you want to come by and help me clean, you know, we can, we can get that going and we can build relationship by getting the house clean, doing some stuff like that. But there are people in here that have a desire for people to just be with them. They want to open their home and say, hey, y'all come. Y'all come on in, Chassie said, our house. She does have the gifts of hospitality, all right? But like I said before, we're not all the same. <laughs> we're one, but we're not same. So I might need some of you with the gift of hospitality to open your homes to others. But in the meantime, my prayer is that God might put a desire in your hearts to pray for his leadership in forming a small group of some kind. I truly believe this is our next step here at Wells. See, everything I'm talking about here is the work on the inside of the church. You see that, right? This is the work on the inside. I'm not even getting to the work on the outside yet because guess what? We're doing a whole lot of the work on the outside, but we ain't even got the inside right. 
So I want to take the next step in getting relationships built and creating things and doing things to, to minister to one another, to provide opportunity to minister to one another. So I pray that you would have a desire in your heart to ask God for His leadership in forming a small group of some kind. Some of y'all will step up. Don't get discouraged. You may start a small group and end up only one person starts showing up with you. Guess what? That one person may be the one that you start developing that Jesus-John relationship with. Don't get discouraged. You keep opening your home. You keep providing opportunity to minister. But maybe you are that person that can begin creating these small groups. Listen, small groups are not another class of teaching. Learn some scriptures, pray some prayer, and go home. We have that already. I'm not asking you to start a Bible study in your home. I'm asking you to create an environment of just good Christian fellowship, just good relationship. Come over and eat a baked chicken with me. We can't have steak, but we'll bake a chicken up right, I'm telling you. We're getting good at it, ain't we, baby? That's right, we're getting good at it. I'm even going to eat chicken this Saturday night. Small groups are not another class of teaching where you just learn some scriptures, pray, and go our separate ways. It's a place where relationships are deepened. That's what it does. I pray that you see from the scriptures this morning how important this is. I pray you know I'm doing my job on this side of it. <laughs> now I'm just like you on the other side. I got a lot of work to do. But on this side of it, I know what the instructions say. I just got to make sure I remember whether to say thank you or amen at the appropriate time. I hope that God will create a desire in your heart to pursue helping people develop these relationships and you developing them yourselves. If you have to, get a copy of this CD from Tim this morning and listen to it a hundred times until you see the blueprint in your mind. Until you see exactly how God designed this thing to work. And when you do, I promise you, you will see growth. If we follow God's plan, we will grow from it. Maybe you're that one this morning that needs that relationship and you just ain't got it. I pray that you heard what God said to you this morning, that you will truly start making the changes in your life and doing the things you need to do to pursue these relationships where you're not that one that when you call somebody, they look at the phone number and put it in their pocket. It happens, believe me. <laughs> it happens. So I pray that you can do whatever you need to do to be pursuing these relationships and growing until we reach that perfect man, until we become complete and at the fullness of the measure of the stature of Jesus Christ himself. And when that comes, we'll be ready to enter in. That's a promise.